Hello and welcome to our podcast. Um, today, Dave and I are going to be talking about our visit to the Bethlehem. We'll be talking about art and culture and mental health and lots of other topics besides. Sounds good. So this is the first episode of the Mental Health Podcast. That's kind of a working title at the moment. Mm-hmm. We've not got an official, official title. There's been some suggestions put forward, so who knows? I don't know if any of our listeners would want to make suggestions. Or is that, no. is that a dangerous suggestion if we get like podcast, podcast, podcasty kind of thing? I think I'd be happy with that. Would I you be happy? happy? I would be happy with That'd that. That'd be a good one. Okay. Yeah, Should we introduce ourselves? That might be worthwhile. So, shall I go first or are you going to go, go first? first? Go first. So, I'm Dave Monday. I work at Unite the Union. I'm the Lead Professional Officer for Mental Health. I am not a mental health nurse, I hasten to add. So, I am a health visitor by background. Uh, as I work at Unite, like I say, on mental health. And I'm privileged to support our amazing Mental Health Nursing Association. That's true. That's Very true. privileged. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Nikki Lambert. I'm a mental health nurse for 20 um, odd years now. Um, I'm currently working as Associate Professor in Practice at Middlesex University and I'm really lucky in that I get to do research and teaching and practice and um, just really be part of the mental health world and I love it and I think um, this podcast will help to bring lots of different topics which are aligned to mental health into focus for people and you know let us think kind of more broadly about how mental health is really part of life and how we can support it as professionals. So we don't want this just to be for mental health nurses, do we? No, anyone with an interest in mental health. Yeah, so that's obviously anyone out there, hopefully. Uh, and at the end of the day, we've got subjects that we want to think about and talk about. But what would be great is if you can give us feedback on how we've dealt with the subjects that we're going to cover. But also, if you want to make suggestions, then that would be brilliant too. Uh, you can get in touch with us uh, via Twitter. So, uh, unite underscore MHNA. Uh, and also you can email and we'll put details on how you can do that on the notes for the podcast so please don't be afraid to get in touch uh, and obviously it'd be great if you could subscribe and then you'll get future alerts for the podcast that we'll be doing right so this podcast is focused on our interview that we did with Michaela and Courtney at the Bethlehem Gallery probably don't need to say too much because I think they cover quite a lot of the subjects We split up the interview into two sections. The first half is in this episode. The second will be in episode two, which we'll release soon. You might notice that there's a clicking sound on the recording. This was caused by a creaking table that was in between the four of us as we spoke. It's a helpful lesson for me in production for future editions, but I hope it isn't too distracting this time, and we both hope you enjoy it. Absolutely. Courtney, I'm uh, uh, an inpatient at uh, the Bethlehem Royal Hospital. And I'm uh, Michaela, I'm the research and development lead for the gallery, for the Bethlehem Gallery. Can you give us some background to the gallery and the Museum of the Mind? The Museum of the Mind and the Bethlehem Gallery are two separate organisations, but we both kind of live in the same building and we collaborate and we work together. But the Museum of the Mind holds the archives um, of the hospital, which go back to the 13th century, um, at the medieval hospital, um, Bedlam, as it's more com- commonly known, whereas the gallery, the Bethlehem Gallery, represents current artists, artists who've had some kind of encounter with services across South London and Maudsley. 
And I've been fortunate to have had one of my pieces as part of the Museum of the Mind, a part of the Bethlehem history. Yeah, so your artwork moves between both organisations. It's part of the, what will be the historic collection, but also kind of the contemporary collection. We've recently done two special editions of our Mental Health Nursing Journal on art and therapy and mental health. How do you think these subjects intersect? Um, a fascinating question and it's something that we um, often discuss as within the gallery team. The Bethlehem is quite unique in that it has artist-run spaces. So both the art studio within occupational therapy, uh, I used to be manager of that particular space, and the gallery is artist-led, not art therapist-led. So art therapists um, periodically work on the wards, for example, um, but we don't see what we do as art therapy. So practicing art may have um, therapeutic outcomes, but that's not the main focus of our work with um, our artists. We create a space where art can be produced and where people can kind of self-identify as artists. Um, And that's really important for us because it defends a space um, where what people do and what people are isn't instrumentalised for a particular purpose. So in a space, in a hospital, we're a gallery in a hospital and people are used to being evaluated, measured, (laughs) looked at, um, their symptoms to be identified and related to a particular disorder. in the history of outsider art, that's often been the case, hasn't it? So you might go up to a historic exhibition of mm. artworks and think, what kind of illness did that person have? And how does the artwork speak to that particular illness? So the artwork becomes a stand-in, mm. it becomes a symptom of an illness. And that's we don't think that that's what art actually does. So um, as Courtney might later um, describe... Art is a social process, it's um, an articulation of different kinds of identities, it's the articulation of identity beyond a disorder or an illness, beyond those kind of pigeonholing kind of strategies that are commonly seen within outsider art. And I don't want to be compartmentalised as being uh, a patient who's, a psychiatric patient who's doing art. I want my art to be accepted and and recognised as a piece of art that has a a value in a different kind of world, not a different kind of world, but you know, outside of kind of the the stereotypical art therapy. Mm-hmm. Uh, while there is a therapeutic value to it, and it is important, and it's it, it's really helped helped me to kind of well understand parts of myself, but also allowed me to be able to articulate other parts of myself uh, in a relationship with somebody that I might not ordinarily be able to do in a in a in a clear way. And, and that's, what it, that's what it does for me. And I don't really want to be kind of, yeah, kind of uh, squeezed into this box of being uh, this, a psychiatric patient who's, who's doing art. I want it just to be taken seriously as a piece of art and you appreciate it as a piece of art. Um, yeah, so whilst there are, you know, there are, there are kind of quite close resemblance between the two, uh, and there is a therapeutic value, to, you know. But I think I think a therapy is is a, you know something something quite separate to what I'm trying to do and what I do. I have done art therapy, and as a tool, that's that's been very helpful in allowing uh, a clinical team 
to be able to evaluate some of the difficulties that I have and then to formulate ideas and, and do a treatment care plan based on, on, on some of those assessments, uh, which is kind of, I think, a little bit, it's a different, a, a, a different world to what I'm doing. Um, you know, I can talk about my art and I, I, you know, I'm quite happy to do that and, and to talk about myself as an artist and, and what my art means and uh, and I'm quite happy to do that and I enjoy doing that at times you know because it's it's just an it's it's an integral part of me it's a valuable it's a valuable kind of outlet it's you know it's it really is uh, it really is important and the relationships that I have with the Bethlehem Gallery and allow me to be able to have opportunities to do that uh, well it's just amazing you know it really is so the Museum of the Mind, like I was saying, is you know they've 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 acquired one of my uh, bits of art, and that will go down and you know uh, form part of the Bethlehem Archive, which is you know which is fantastic, really, you know. So Courtney, before we saw your portfolio and you've picked out one of the pieces that you've created, yeah, do you want to talk about it? Well, this this particular piece I did, I suppose this is uh, about six months ago. Maybe no, is it that long? Well, could be. Um, is this the rapture? So in this image, it's green, and uh, uh, greens and blues are uh, my favourite colour schemes. So in this particular image, where I've got uh, cross hatching, and it's uh, I wanted it to look like fabric um, and uh, like cheesecloth, for want of a better word, better description. So the head is, is the, the, there are fragments or like little islands of green. Uh, and I wanted that to kind of symbolize this uh, coming together. So uh, when I was drawing this picture, part of my journey and part of my treatment and, and my plans for my, my, my future were all kind of slowly coming together. Uh, and I could, see, I could see the image, I could see you know, my pathway developing and uh, I could have a, I started to have a clearer idea about where I wanted to be and how I wanted to get to where I needed to be. And, the warp and wet of the fabric just re represents kind of parts parts of my own journey and, and so it's all kind of you know the coming together of the of the image and and actually this is this is the rapture for me and I enjoyed like doing this sometimes I don't I don't really think too carefully about you know I have a general idea about the the drawing and what I what I want to say but little things like you know the way the light strikes it and I think oh that was great I didn't really mean that you know and it just kind of just just happens like automatic thinking and it was you know even like the, the mouth just mm. like a simple line and it you know sometimes I amaze myself I think wow that was you know that turned out really well I'm really glad you know but yeah so I wanted to look like fabric because um, uh, that just uh, you know represents uh, part of my life my own journey you know um, and there's the coming together in, in, a, in, a, in an image so yeah people people enjoy it you know um, and I love working on this, so, you know, I, I did, I really love it. And I, uh, it's difficult losing a piece, it's like losing a piece of myself because I invest an awful lot of time into doing it. It takes me about three days to do an image, but it takes me about a, a couple of months to think about an image and what I want to say and how I want to say it. So it's quite a process involved in it. When somebody does buy it or, you know, goes wherever it goes, uh, I feel like I've lost a little bit of myself, but then you know, somebody's taken that on and appreciate And I like the, the fact that people appreciate it and buy it, you know. I think it's really nice the way, it's one of those pictures where you just want to touch it because you kind of feel like it must have kind of like a, a texture to it. It's just uh, really nice, but I don't want to spoil it by touching it. 
I think one of the ways I, when I see a picture of a face, one of the first things I do, I think, is the same way I respond to a person. I look into their eyes and I try and figure out well, what's going on. So when I'm looking at this this face, which is, I don't know, pensive, what's the expression that you're, you're capturing there? What's, what's happening? For me, it's it's a very thoughtful kind of look, and, and mm. a lot of the pictures that I that I have, there are very few of them where the character is is laughing. Although um, uh, I'm doing a triptych, thinking about doing a triptych now, uh, where one of the characters is alive with laughter. But quite often they they just quite a, a thoughtful expression. Mm. I mean, I, I suppose that this this particular uh, character is is really thinking about you know is looking into the distance, maybe looking to his future, and maybe there's a bit of melancholy to it. You know, that's a but then that's also been part of my own journey is, you know, there is a, maybe a, not sadness, but you know, something a bit more thoughtful. I think is, you know, maybe, maybe this character is actually, you know, thinking about looking into, into his uh, future, not too distant future, and where he wants to be. And yeah, maybe, you know. When did you first know that you were an artist? I've always enjoyed doodling. I've always been a bit of a daydreamer, you know, lying on the lawn, with my mother looking at clouds and mm. you know staring out the window wistfully into the distance when I was should be at school learning, <laughs> so I've doodled a lot. I've done a lot of doodling, and I guess part of that process has been just exploring myself and, and my own abilities. And you know, I've tried all you know a couple of different mediums. I was in the uh, the art therapy block and uh, doing one of these doodles, and uh, somebody had come up and I'd seen it. I was thinking about a Giacometti statue uh, and that, that inspired it. I was kind of doing a doodle based on uh, an image I'd seen and um, because he did his earlier stuff, he did a lot of kind of ideas and drawings and, and uh, I guess I was inspired by that because I loved his bronzes. And so I was in the uh, art therapy, the OT department, doing an art class, uh, kind of a drop-in. We could go down there and Michaela was, was running a group and I was doing some doodles and uh, turned out something similar to this. It was it was in black because I didn't know that this ink came in a colour. So this is 2000, I think 2017, 2018, 17, 18, I think I started doing these kinds of drawings. And uh, somebody, uh, a member of staff, had just said like, you know, that's that's great if you just refine it a little bit. It'll just, you know. And that's what I did was just finding out about the medium and the inks and the pens and learning as I've gone along and yeah, played with those ideas. I think it's really interesting kind of working in an art studio environment where somebody does something and I kind of remember when you first started making the drawings and there's I have this battle with myself. It's like, do I just kind of let somebody be and just get on with it, which is a kind of the general kind of approach apart from providing really good quality materials so the drawing here obviously you know there's a thing about kind of like hospital art where it's done on yeah. bits of lower quality paper with lower quality materials but we we like to kind of um give people the opportunity to work on kind of like good quality papers you know because it gives a status and a value to what people are doing that might not otherwise be there but i remember there were certain occasions in the art room where I just want to step in and I just say, I'll take that now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and then I kind of have, I wrestle with myself later and I think, should I really have done that? Should I have intervened? Um, but it's a, it's a way of just saying, 
that's extraordinary. But 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 then again, the question is, you know, who am I to say, you know? But um, but to stop as a discipline to know, because I mean, yeah, I think that drawing yeah, I yeah, cut yeah. it out and in the background or wasn't right, happy with like it. That's right, and you didn't like it, so you kind of put it out. And so it's, it's been a kind of a learning curve of like let you know. Um, you know the old added less is more, and and but just knowing knowing when to stop when enough, and that's and sometimes that is really difficult. Like if I'm doing something and, and that's it, uh, you know. But sometimes the artwork becomes it's something else, doesn't it? it just yeah. becomes its own thing. It almost like it dis, dis, dislodges from the person making it, and the environment it just kind of becomes. When you were saying, you know, when did you realise you, you became an artist? It's sometimes, when does an artwork realise it's become an artwork? You know, it, it takes on a life of its own, doesn't it? It does, It kind yeah. of becomes this part of you, but then separate from you. That's I think about the statement I want to say. Mm. So uh, during this process of developing this, I've kind of I've had a, a period where I, you know, I'll spend a long time not just thinking about the image and, and how what colours I'm going to use and what form it's going to... Mm. But also think about the statement I want to make and how I want to kind of articulate that. So part of that is so this is the statement and that's it. So in this in this particular image where I've, I've called it, is this the rapture? How do I want to kind of uh, you know what color schemes or what you know? The, once I've thought about that and I've got the statement and I've and I've and I feel that I've I've made that statement, and that's that's my that's the line that you know that's my boundary and I've got to try and stick to that boundary. Um, and that's a discipline as well, is not, not you know, to kind of, because some boundaries are flexible, some are like, you know, pretty robust and rigid and they're very clear, but, you know, some, some of my boundaries have a degree of flexibility. You know, I was thinking, even I spent a long time trying to, trying to do like an Adam's apple, just little things that I think about, yeah. How much, from what you're describing, do you feel like you've learned from your involvement with the gallery, or how much was kind of innate expertise? Some artists that I, I know have notebooks and sketchbooks, and I, I don't. That's not what I do. I like to think about it, and it's a bit dreamy, really, you know. And I, and I enjoy the process. Sometimes I can just be sitting there, I can have a conversation, but I'm thinking about the art and the face that I'm I'm doing, and I already have an idea of, a, you know, the expression, and so. I enjoy that process, you know, thinking about it, and it's not—it's not really, it's not um, an uncomfortable challenge. Um, and because it's over a period of time, I'm not—I'm not. I'm not uh, it's not time bound. I don't have to do something in the next, you know, twenty-four hours or the next. And I just enjoy the process of thinking about it because I want it to be right. And it does take—it does take me a little bit of time. And I think Japanese artists are like that. They think about it for a long, long time, and then they'll just be doing this quick, you know. Mm. Uh, almost freehand thing. Well, we did that so quickly, but he's been thinking about it for months. Yeah. You know, so I think there's, there's something enjoyable about the process and thinking about it and the colours, and I enjoy that. I really mm -hmm. enjoy that. Yeah. I think kind of the gallery's responsibility is all around kind of making things public in a certain way. So we have a responsibility to um, frame the work in a way that might elicit the widest possible interpretations so I often think you know my responsibility in showing the work and kind of and making the word public is to somehow um, allow people to see the complexities the sophistication of the work to let the work speak to them without all of their expectation about who's made the work and the context of the work so it's kind of really um, curating a space in which the work can be seen in a way that um, 
um, elicits multiple responses. Mm. So, um, and that's quite a big responsibility because mm. people come into a hospital, into a gallery in a hospital, and they're already loaded down with yes. all kinds of expectations about what they're going to see. Mm. And there's a certain kind of voyeurism, perhaps, mm. in that those set of expectations. Or, you know, a clinician, a doctor might arrive and think, you know, is this going to help me in my, I don't know, diagnostic mm. skills? You know, there are all kinds of of ways of approaching the work, but we, as far as possible, want to allow the work to be seen um, without those very rigid frames, mm. without those kinds of limitations. Um, and so, yeah, the gallery's role is really kind of being responsible and reflective about how we present these works, how we make them available. But the same is true of, you know, putting Courtney in situations where he's speaking to different kind of audiences, you know, to kind of like a group of psychiatrists or an, a, a, another group of artists or students. Um, it's a way of making the work public um, that we think very, very carefully about. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And people respond to that as well, you know. Uh, the responses that I've had in the settings that have, mm. you know, have been very positive and, and have inspired me and encouraged me to actually continue doing what I'm doing, you know. I think I would, you know, I say that it's not, it's not just that, that, you know, it's not just the response that has motivated me, but I think it, it certainly helps, you know, because I haven't had a lot of confidence and my self-esteem has kind of taken a bit of battering over the years and my confidence has been, you know, really, really pretty low. So it's also a challenge for myself to be able to put myself into these challenging situations and, and to, to make myself available and, and like, you know, at some situation to show my vulnerabilities, my human my human qualities mm -hmm. and, and just to be able to be free just to be me and then it's okay being me that if, you know, if I make a mistake, if I say something that, uh, you know, wasn't, uh, didn't come out the way I pro probably, had, you know, had in my mind, that's okay, that's because that's, that's just, that's me and, and it's taken a long time for me to actually get to the stage where it's, it's just being me is, is fine, that's great, you know, just, that's a... You know, so being in those environments where people have responded to the uh, the little film that I've done, uh, the drawings, uh, you know, it's it's just it's all great, and it's allowing people to come and come into my world and actually just just be part of something that that I value and, and it's important to me. As an artist, what advice could you give to somebody who's coming into an art gallery who doesn't maybe feel that comfortable in that setting and they're stood in front of a they've, they've got through the door they're looking at maybe your work what should they do what should they do what might they do yeah that would help them um well i guess i guess one of the things that i would find comforting is is just you know to be able to have um had somebody who's who was if i wasn't available to talk about my 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 work directly that somebody somebody is available to be able to just guide that person you know around some of the works and, and give an interpretation about it based on that you know the guide if you like knowing me and, and knowing knowing my history or knowing my art uh i think that you know that's because i i'm very prone to kind of getting stressed out and anxious and i and I would find that supportive. But also the way environments are laid out as well can, can mm. also, you know, some, some galleries can be a little bit overwhelming. And I think certainly when we come in here, this is, this is kind of a welcoming environment. Uh, but I have been in some galleries where it's just a big, overwhelming, big Victorian space. And that, that can be a little bit scary. But I think having somebody on hand just to be able to, mm. you know, guide the person through the work, yeah, I think that would be helpful. I think there can often be um, an anxiety. People think they're going to do it wrong. You know, they get self-conscious about looking and watching. 
Yeah, there is no right or wrong way. It's mm. just, you know, um, yeah. I mean, people go into a gallery and, and sometimes they know nothing about art, but they just they just appreciate the colour and they just appreciate the form and the way that a, 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 how the picture makes them feel. And my pictures are very emotive and they make, they make me feel a particular way. And uh, they're quite tranquil and calming. I, I find them tranquil and calming. The colours that I use, I like them to have a relationship. Just the person in the gallery will have a relationship with the gallery. And like you say, I mean, I don't think it's difficult to think of a formula that would make that more helpful for a person who might be prone to being a bit stressed out or overwhelmed or anxious, you know. I think as well that it's this whole idea of expertise, isn't it? Because some of the people who are most frightened when they're honest are the consultants. And we had a, a really strong relationship with a, um, a consultant who unfortunately now uh, lives and works in Canada. I remember he mm. used to say he loved the gallery because it made him terrified and it, it reminded him how, how he first felt when he encountered the ward as a, as a newly qualified psychiatrist. And he said that kind of sense of um, not knowing what's going to happen, which is really kind of uncomfortable but useful is uh, the same feeling that you got from coming into the gallery, which wasn't his kind of area of knowledge or expertise, but he's in, in a space where he's always sort, you know, expected to be the expert. Mm. And he said the gallery reminded him what it felt like to be a young, you know, newly fledged psychiatrist on the ward where anything could happen. And he said that was a really useful thing because over time, as an expert in these kind of environments, you kind of become fossilised, your responses kind of shut down. Yeah. So there's actually something really useful in that experience of being made to feel uncomfortable or kind of willingly entering into a space where you're not going to know the answers. <laughs> because if you can sit with that, it's a reminder to be kind of um, sensitive to your environment and to other people and not come in with all of those mm. kind of expectations about what you're going to find, which are, can often be a kind of armour, can't they, I suppose, over time, particularly when you're working in quite stressful situations. So yes, the, the gallery can be a calming, welcoming, social space, but for people who want to know the answer and kind of think, you know, they have to wear a kind of armour in their working environment, it's also, a, you know, a useful lesson in being in a space where you don't know, a space of unknowing, um, where that's fine, where that's what a gallery should be. It should be a space of questions, not a space of answers necessarily. Mm. I mean, some, to be honest, I think some of, some of the work that I've done has been a bit unpredictable because, you know, it's not what people had, had you know, when people have seen some of the drawings and they thought, well, I didn't know you could do that. Mm -hmm. Wow, I didn't know you had, do you know? And then, yeah. and then they've, they've, they've come across this unexpected quality and uh, mm. I mean, you know, there are some some drawings, if I was in front of a Francis Bacon drawing, some, some, sometimes that could be frightening and, yeah, sure. and provocative mm -hmm. and challenging, you know? Um, and that's not what I'm trying to do, but there is a quality to it, you know? It's, it's, I've recently been at a conference, they had a, an artist there who was exhibiting some of his work and it was quite challenging in terms of his experience of mental health services and kind mm. of quite, I don't know if aggressive is the right word, but I think critical of the care in a kind of a pictorial form. And I suppose it's that kind of bit about how much is a preconceived idea that the art that would be produced would kind of want to make a statement about a condition or a treatment and actually not really needing to do that. You know, it's more about art for art's sake, I suppose. 
And, and I think kind of it's really uh, important to remember that the first artist to ever be employed by the NHS by, by, a, by a hospital was here in the UK. So in, in Edward Adamson in the post-war period at kind of Nevin Hospital, he was employed as an artist not as an art therapist, mm -hmm. um, and he created a studio space um, which had its own protocols, but um, it was a space where people were just allowed to explore another aspect of themselves mm -hmm. beyond the kind of situation on the wards or in the hospital where people are often being kind of categorised. He, as an artist, created an art studio space where people were expected to be artists, mm -hmm. which is just another... So it wasn't kind of, you know, people didn't make paintings about, um, you know, their experience mm. or treatment. Mm. They made pictures from the view from the window or, you know, as, as many of our artists do, you know, kind of, they kind of make works, performative works in the grounds, for example. They, they may work about other stuff, mm. you know, that kind of reflects, you know, the range of what it means to be human. Mm. And I think really... Um, it's about that thing about kind of expectations. You know, we do arrive at a hospital, mm. you know, and expect to find work that is a response to yeah. the hospital environment. And but but artists as humans yeah. aren't always sitting there thinking, you know, I've got this particular disorder. Yeah. <laughs> I need to make a work about. You know, they're thinking about kind of what they're going to have for tea or a friend that they had a conversation with the day before. Or, you know, and I think it's that's 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 the problem. The problem isn't in, in, isn't within the art. It's about our expectations. Um, that's what I really like about it as well. Is you know when you're talking about your identity, how you've grown into this identity as an artist, and you, you were sort of mentioning about um, an, an ex colleague person who worked here who who found that his all his status as a consultant didn't really help him when he walked through as a viewer, as a person mm. participating. Mm. And I think what I really love about you know, mental health is such a fascinating and interesting experience but it's part of human experience and if you only come at it with a professional head or, or an experiential head or whatever whatever background or history that you're lugging with you mm. you're missing the point that one person is talking to another person about what's in their heart mm. and that is that's the key to it I think it's the key to sort of human connection but it's also the key to way better care you know if you you know I think absolutely people have the right to, to critique care for goodness sake Sometimes that's done on an unofficial form and sometimes it's done through an, a painting which hits you right in the gut and you know something bad has happened, we need to do better. Mm -hmm. But I also like the idea that you can talk about whatever's in your heart and that someone else can come and receive it and it doesn't have to be medicine or utility. It's, it's um, a connection. I think if you but walk into an environment with preconceived ideas about what mm -hmm. your expectations are, like mm -hmm. because it's mental health, you're going mm -hmm. to see some, some image that re reflects that directly, then... Uh, I think that's the wrong the wrong angle mm. to, to come at it. Sure. You know, I think if you if you just kind of just open your mind and just you know come into to view uh, art in a in an environment like you know whether it's the bathroom or, or Maudsley or mm. wherever it is, you know, um, if you're going in there with these these preconceived ideas about what mental health, but you're going to see you know paint by numbers, then uh, you're in the you're, you've taken the wrong line, you know. Mm. Mm. And I, and I think the, kind of the gallery kind of does um, exhibitions. The, the next exhibition that we've got coming up is the, um, the Art of Protest by, which is kind of curated by Dodi Sen. So which is much more provocative and much more kind of like um, directed as a kind of a critique at services, deliberately so. So the gallery, you know, there are many, so many different kind of ways of thinking about the uses of art and types of art as there are artists as there are kind of like people so the gallery tries to present a range mm. of practices 
um, that kind of shows um, our publics um, that, yeah, that, that, you know, that there isn't kind of one set of expectations. The gallery doesn't show a certain type of work mm. uh, just because it's based in a psychiatric hospital, mm. but it kind of represents a whole kind of like range of possible kind of um, interests, approaches, thoughts, My favourite thing I heard was the TripAdvisor review of the Maudsley, which was one of the best pieces of modern art I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it, was, it was simultaneously genius, brilliant, hilarious, and um, imagine bit of anxiety provoking yeah. VR. <laughs> but it was just everything all at once. And I just thought that that's properly her heart, isn't it? Straight out there. Mm. Absolutely fantastic bit of work. I think she's a quite a political person. Yes. So when yeah. so when we get caught up in these ideas of self expression and heart, I don't yeah. think it is that, yeah. but it's also somebody operating within the world. Absolutely. And in the same way that kind of mm. Um, Courtney says, you know, he's thinking of making a statement. He's thinking of, 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 a, of a public statement. Mm. It's not self-expression. Yeah. It's an articulation of an idea Absolutely. or a statement, which yeah. is much more about, you know, when you think of kind of like self-expression and mm. kind of expressionism has often been tied to outsider art. Mm. Um, artists, you know, don't have necessarily have this inner self to express, mm. you know, and it's mm. kind of it's, that whole idea of identity is mm. quite contested anyway, isn't it? Mm. They put things out into the world because they want them to be out in the world yeah. but they're not bits of themselves yeah. it, they're kind of strategic political reflective yeah. you know um, deft aren't mm. they and then you, 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 you you know people have uh, had had a uh, an idea of a, a statement in their mind but they didn't know how to kind of uh, express that and then mm. you come on come around with a you know you see a drawing you think that's that's a, that says you know that says exactly what I that yeah. says what I'm feeling. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah And I've yeah. and I've had a I've had a, a you know I've had a drawing where somebody had you know they have these cards these little comments and put it in a little box about what, and I've and I've kept some of them laminated them and some of them were very moving. I just wow you know yeah. I wish I could I wish I could yeah. you know say what you you know yeah. I just think well yeah you know that's that's powerful as well you know. How does using different mediums help you to do that? Because you've mentioned you film as well. Mm. I have, yeah. I've worked with uh, uh, a couple of people here and, and done. Uh, I used uh, kind of play doh to do uh, to to create an idea about uh, like living in boxes of stone, and uh, and yeah. So we, we filmed it, and uh, I mean, a long time ago, I did media studies, and uh, uh, I found uh, moving image. Just fascinating. Mm. I mean, it, you know, I thought, oh, this is what I want to do, and then I stumbled across something else, and I thought, no, oh, this is what. I'm doing. <laughs> so it's, it's just been really, really challenging. But so I have done a couple of short films. Is it a continuation of the same idea, or is it something different? I think it's an extension of, uh, yeah. I think a, a, a continuation. I think there, there is a well, there's a relationship. So if this, if I could make this figure uh, kind of sing and dance and, and move around. Uh, then I, you know, uh, that that would be fantastic. But I've done things like that with my own face, you know, whether it's coloured my face or put things on my face and and uh, and filmed it and photographed it. And mm. but it's just, yeah, I, I just want to experience uh, everything. I want to do, uh, uh, you know, in terms of being creative and, and allowing myself to be kind of free and just yeah, play around with it. And uh, I want I want to try it. You know, I want to try it all. I'm sure you'll agree, Nikki, that we really enjoyed our discussion with Courtney and Michaela at Bethlehem Gallery. Have you got any quick reflections on the first half of the interview? 
enjoy listening to Courtney talk about his work was him talking about being an artist as an identity and a preferred identity I think than seeing himself as uh, a service user because we were living in a society where it's just a service user or just a mental health nurse or just a yeah. whereas you know when you're an artist I think it it has it has a status to it for sure but I think what I really liked about it was that he had really embraced and created a positive identity for himself yeah and that's what art gave him I had a real kind of preconceived thought in terms of going into that session that it would be talking about kind of how art, how being an artist had kind of influenced his uh, health, his recovery. Uh, and it wasn't about that really, was it? It was much no. more about him being an artist and also being uh, an inpatient at, at the Maudsley, kind of as not two separate things, but not as, as interconnected. This is the first of two parts. The second part will be coming up soon. Um, we don't know how often we'll be releasing these podcasts, but we do know that we will be doing more. So if you have any suggestions, things that you like, things that you'd like to see done differently, maybe even a formal name for our podcast, because at the moment it's still the Mental Health Podcast, please let us know. Um, we'll be really interested to hear from you. Um, and if you subscribe, you'll be able to uh, see any time a new episode comes out. So they'll get a nice alert saying, new episode out for the second part of the interview that we did. See you next time.